Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, and welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. I'm your host, Max Armbruster, and today I'm uh, delighted and honored uh, to welcome the VP of Talent Acquisition at Lowe's Companies, one of the largest retailers the world, certainly in the US, but also big enough that we can say it's a worldwide leader in DIY and yeah, DIY equipments is how I would describe it as an outsider. Yeah, it's all home improvement, but at this point, it's anything for your home. <laughs> anything for your home, that's ambitious. So I didn't yet introduce you, Robert. It's Robert Doherty, VP of TA for, for Lowe's. Thanks for coming on, Robert. I happen to be here, Max. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And before we go into the Lowe's story, which you've been there for a year and a half now, so uh, must have been unprecedented times. How you ended up in the field of high volume recruitment, I suppose that that all began back in a long time ago. At long FedEx. time. Yeah, I was, my hair was much darker at the time compared to the, the grays and the, you know, the bit of weathering. Is, uh, all those candidates have, have depigmented your hair. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you know, I've been in recruiting now for almost 25 years and I've yet to meet somebody in recruiting that intentionally went into recruiting, right? So I got my degree in, in finance and statistics, started out in commercial banking for about eight months and realized I didn't like it and met a guy and I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a headhunter. I'm like, what the heck's a headhunter? And ended up having lunch with the, the partner of the small boutique firm and have been in it ever since. Moved over to the corporate side uh, a little after 9-11 back in 2001. And here I am still surviving in this race of TA. So after you jumped into recruitment, I saw stints in the logistics space, healthcare, then in the insurance space, and then more recently at American Airlines. I guess you jumped ship at a good time, American Airlines. <laughs> you left just before the crisis and the bulk of the hiring there at American Airlines must have been cabin crew. Was that under your... Yeah, it was. I had, had a little bit of everything and I, I wish I was, I could say I was smart enough to, to have the insight or foresight to, to leave American Airlines in January and jump over to Lowe's, but it was definitely some blind luck. But yeah, at American Airlines, you know, we had what I thought at the time was high volume with about... 15,000 hires a year, both from a, a cabin crew, but certainly gate agents, you know, our men and women that were on the ramp. So it was across the board, but I, I truly found out what high volume was when I made that switch to Lowe's about a little over a year or a little less than a year and a half ago. And American Airlines business has been around for such a long time. Good year, bad year, you know, the volumes don't fluctuate that much, right? Correct. Yeah. They, they went through a, you know, a down phase, obviously after 9-11, and then, you know, what about almost 13 years before they hired, started hiring again. And uh, one of the things about my background is I've somehow fallen into a niche that I'm, that I tend to love, which is, you know, going into transformational projects where it's either building something from scratch or turn around. You know, if somebody wanted me to go somewhere, it was like, Hey, everything's perfect. Just steer the ship straight. Definitely wouldn't be the, the right role for me. Cause I'd be pulling levers and breaking stuff. So going into somewhere where things are broken or, or they're rebuilding and, that's the way it was at AA where, you know, they hadn't hired really since 9-11 until the merger with U.S. Airways. And then it was okay, full steam ahead with, you know, two different RPOs, mm. three different applicant tracking systems. None of mm -hmm. them you know, had been really touched and 
you know, probably eight or nine years, no processes. So it was fun kind of rebuilding that organization, you know, post-merger. And the RPOs, they're probably going to have a good year in 2021 as people are rebuilding as well, but but they can be a symptom of an organization that has kind of given up on its core duties. Yep, absolutely. Where I think RPOs really play a strength, right, is anytime you've got that seasonality to your business, where you've got those fluctuations of, you know, kind of busy season and non-busy season to where you can really be able to scale up, scale down. You know, I think that's really critical to have that at least as a strategy in your back pocket versus kind of that static, you know, organization that you're kind of tied to where you're either almost always underworked or overworked. And uh, they're usually, you very rarely get it perfectly right. So you were talking about the seasonality of hiring. And I suppose at Lowe's, you have holiday season and maybe the back to school yeah. Yeah. Actually our busiest season is the spring. So you know, we're recording this one day after Memorial yeah. Day weekend is our Super Bowl. So you think about, you know, all the, the honeydew lists, spring cleaning, all the, you know, people have been cramped up all winter and want to get out and, and start doing their projects, focus on their yards, flowers, plants. You know, this is the busiest time of year for us. So we've been in, in full hiring mode really since the end of January. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that your space has also had a record-breaking year where everybody's home and spending more time at home and therefore investing what they've got, what the money they have into their home. Yeah, that's correct. So once COVID hit, you know, really back in March of, of 2020 and everything started to shut down, right? Those honeydew lists grew for a lot of people of, all right, it's time to repaint this room, you know, all these little projects just to, to keep people busy. And, you know, Lowe's as a, you know, recognized and essential employer, you know, our business took off. So we started seeing sales go through the roof. We had to hire, you know, a lot of people. We hired 280,000 external people in, wow. in 2020. So, and in the first four months this year, we're already over 120,000. So it's our fiscal year starts February, but yeah, about 120,000 our first four months. So we're well on, on pace to continue to hire a lot of people to make sure we can take care of our people and customers. Okay. Well, you must have a lucky star to have moved into such a high growth. I mean, I don't know if it's a lucky star or not, but you said you like change. So I suppose that kind of stress to the organization uh, should keep you entertained. Oh, it definitely does. Yeah. There's always new problems to solve every day, right? And going from, you know, 2020 was so interesting because, you know, nobody obviously planned for that as, as you start going into the pandemic and uh, the availability of workers was a lot higher. Now, fast forward to 2021, and with uh, between stimulus, enhanced unemployment, and all of these companies, you know, the demand for hourly workers, I don't know if it's ever been higher, right? Mm -hmm. And the supply has gotten a lot lower. So as your demand starts to really outpace that supply, you know, it, it really creates some interesting dynamics around, you know, what companies are doing, how they're trying to attract candidates, you know, focus mm -hmm. on some of those employee value propositions, you know, uh, leveraging dollar sign-on bonuses. I mean, there was a fast food company I saw signed the other day that it's, you know, basically come work here, we'll give you a free iPhone. So I think everybody's throwing everything but the kitchen sink, trying to entice mm. workers to, to come mm. help them. Okay. Okay. So uh, that, that's interesting. The the battle of giants. We got the Burger King and McDonald's, Lowe's, Amazon, Yeah, uh, all, all fighting for that hourly worker. And so and this war for talent, how do you stake your claim? And what's the EVP that Lowe's uh, is going to try to get ahead of the game? Particularly, uh, I'm wondering, I mean, I don't know if you can expand on demographics, but I suppose you have a few candidate personas that you're working around. 
We do. Yeah. And, and, you know, having been here for just over a, a year, brought in a new leader of talent attraction at the beginning of this year, who we're starting to work on really building out, you know, what that AVP looks like, you know, building out those different personas. So most of it, we haven't quite rolled out yet, but we're starting to get a better idea of what we're looking for, you know, to make successful workers. And as I really start to think about what differentiates us, so much of it is really evolves around, I think, career opportunities. So, you know, we don't have a lot mm. of limitations as it relates to you have to be in certain you got to be here for six months or here for mm. a year. And so many of our most senior leaders, you know, started their careers as a retail associate, you know, whether, mm. whether it be a cashier or a seasonal worker, you know, we have people in our our C-suite, right, at our EVP levels, our SVPs, you know, they didn't go to college. They grew up in retail, learning the operation, mm. built strong leadership skills, and, you know, that's really valued. So I think as, yeah. as we've really started to, you know, look at things like, you know, bachelor's degree and master's degree and really challenging, hey, is that something that somebody truly needs or not? And if I've got somebody who's a good worker, who's motivated, who can learn, you know, how do we develop them, train them to figure out where they want to go in their career? Okay. So have you managed to do away with the, the resume entirely for some of these positions? Not yet. We're working towards it. So, you know, is yeah. you know, kind of a year into this transformation and really starting to get to the point where we're starting to implement technology and look at that TA tech stack. We went through, I would call an HR transformation, at least with moving to our core HR system 2019, but we didn't touch any of the, the TA tech. So, Right now, we're in the process of implementing an AI solution. We just finished an RFP for ATS, CRM. So we'll be continuing to look at, at those. But you know, everything is of plan right now by summer, fall of 2022, uh, a full new tech stack, and then continue to build out from there. But you know, Lowe's has been great. We really value talent. And to go and get a you know, very large multi-million dollar investment from our leaders to go and really address the TA technology of, of moving us into you know, modern day is really important. So they've been open to ideas and, you know, I think going through that, you know, moving past the resume will be, I think something that we've got on our, our radar in the future. Yeah. So the traditional providers of, of talent and resumes, which are Indeed and ZipRecruiter perhaps. And then of course your employee referral program, which I'm sure takes the lion's share, you know, you don't have to confirm that, <laughs> but yeah. I, I imagine like, yeah, it's typically like 25, 30% of hires. Yeah. Well, and that's, so as of today, we don't have an employee referral program. So we oh, didn't wow. have, we don't have technology that can track it. So it was starting a little bit bare bones with, you know, kind of some of the stuff that we're walking into that, you know, a hundred thousand hires. It was a lot of grind. I will tell you. So like I said, 280,000 hires with uh, probably not the greatest, you know, certainly not the greatest processes. We've got some opportunities that relates to candidate experience for sure. And that's where, you know, moving down this path of being more mobile-based, being more from an AI and candidate engagement, just being more, I think, focused on what that experience looks like. I mean, like we had three and a half million applicants last year. Every one of those are a customer of ours. And um, right. On the vast majority of them, we probably did a, a pretty poor job of being able to stay in contact with them, follow up, just because some of the limitations we had technology-wise. And that was something we walked in right away and said, look, we got to go fix this. So 3 million plus candidates, that sounds expensive, but it, I suppose it doesn't have to be if you've managed to activate all your stores as a 
sourcing channels. Is that where a bulk of the applications are still coming through? Like people coming in and, and applying at the store? And yeah, our, our, you know, when we start to look at, we just had our a big national hiring day about three weeks ago. And through that, I think we ended up with about 20, a little over 20,000 hires. The two biggest drivers from a source, social was number one and in-store signage was number two, right? So being able to make sure if people are shopping, right, they see the now hiring banners, you know, we've got some things, you know, around the stores. There's still a lot more opportunity to get, I would say, more consistent with that branding message. But so much of it is just, you know, people will see that and be like, oh, you know, my son or daughter is coming home from college. They're looking for a job or, you know, somebody's retired and it's like, yeah, I'd like to pick up some hours on the weekend. And, you know, I've always been interested in tools yeah. or gardening, whatever it yeah. is. And, you know, I think just having them see that is the signs in store is really important. And has the, the battle for the talent and, and the younger generation shifted the messaging a little bit towards new? I mean, are there some new demands in terms of employee value proposition from younger generations? I mean, you never had yeah. to deal with these in your career. You, you were doing retail maybe a long time ago, no? No, not even yeah, this. Yeah, this, this, is, is, my, this is a new audience for you. First retail gig, you got it. Yeah, and and so are, are you seeing some shifts in expectations from the IRLE segment in particular? Are there, are there expectations higher or lower than ten years ago? Yeah, you know, I think one of the big differences, especially in retailers, right? You got four different you know generations in the workplace right now, right? From from baby boomers to Gen X, millennials, you know, Gen Z, Gen Y, I don't know what's coming next, right? Whatever that next wave is behind them. And, uh, you know, it's how do you, because there is, you know, at a company our size, right? I do believe there's something for everybody, right? There are selling points for people who you know, are retired and, and want to pick something else up. And for the person mm -hmm. who's just became, you know, the, their first job to come work seasonal employees. So how do you start to market and, and target to those specific audiences, right? And the concept of personas you will, got will come in, right? Yeah, you'll, where you'll do have, they hang out? So maybe a, a good chunk of your hires will end up being people in their 40s, their 50s, who are looking for something a little bit more permanent. Yeah, it's such a mix. We've got such a diverse, you know, not only from a demographic, but when you just look at, I think, who we are, how we serve our communities, you know, Lowe's has always been very big in serving our communities. Some of the best stories that I hear about are, you know, when there's hurricanes, right? And what we call the, the blue bucket brigade and, and the people who, you know, will drive for you know, hours and hours and hours to go be on site to help you know, these people have literally just had their worlds torn apart and to help rebuild and to, you know, provide shelter, water, whatever that looks like. I'm, I'm amazed by it. And, you know, it's really just start to look at, you know, across the generations, demographics, you know, it's really, I think, a, a unique place where we value, you know, diversity and inclusion, but really that focus on belonging and, and trying to find that larger purpose of, you know, somebody who wants to just come, you know, like we talked about, pick up jobs. But I think they, really one of the, the areas for us from a, from a focus on is getting people to understand you don't have to know about home improvement to come work at Lowe's, right? You don't have to know, you know, different kind of drills. You don't have to know about mm. concrete or drywall. You know, yeah, you just have yeah. to want to come in and take care of people and, and work for what we're trying to build is, you know, the greatest retail company in the world what our goal is. And it's making sure that we provide, as you know, right, good talent's good talent. I can train you the product knowledge. You know, it's harder to train you to, 
you know, seek out a customer because you want to help or on things like yeah, seeking out customers, empathy, listening skills, yep. how, how much of that do you think can be automated in the screening process? And how much of that has to remain with a live recruiter interview? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that's one, right? I know there's several assessment companies out there that are trying to figure that out, whether that be around, you know, uh, how their, their facial recognition as they answer questions. And I can tell you, at least as of right now, our legal department, we're pretty conservative still, as much as I want to sometimes be the, you know, on the bleeding edge or, or trailblazer. Sometimes they want to kind of figure, you know, let somebody else kind of figure that out first, at least as it comes down to, you know, some of those things that are a little bit harder to validate. But I think for myself, as you just start looking from a, you know, from a science and technology on where things are going, you know, the more that I can bring objection into the, into the interview process, the better, right? We've got 1,730 stores, you know, in between each store, there's, you know, probably five people who are decision makers between store managers and, and assistant store managers. So that's, uh, quick math, right? 8,500 probably different interview styles and different questions mm -hmm. that can be that can be asked and how they assess. So mm -hmm. if I can get down to the point where I'm leveraging technology and science to start to say, hey, here are the characteristics, here are the behaviors. These are the people we should at least be talking to first. I, I think that really starts to get things a lot more consistent because if you think of companies, I always use Starbucks as, as an example. So hopefully I can use a company as a, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. You have the same experience as a, as a customer, right? So whether you go to one here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, or I go to a, a Starbucks there in, in Hong Kong where you're at, for the most part, it's the same experience, right? You've got no. the barista. They're going to ask you what your order is, take your name. You step to the side, wait for your name to be called, et cetera. So how do I, we at Lowe's get that I finish my coffee. I walk out of the store. I get nervous, jittery. I start calling people way too fast. Same exactly. experience. <laughs> yeah. So how do we kind of do the same thing where I can get that repeatable process because I'm hiring the same type of people with the same expectations. So it doesn't matter what lows you go into, you know, you're going to get, get great service and uh, be able to find what you need. So you didn't quite answer my question on, you know, screening for empathy or listening skills yeah. and, and customer centricity. What I gathered from your answer is that you're trying to do a first level filter, but afterwards you still need those 8,500 decision makers to be involved and to be included. Yeah, as of today, I would say yes. Although we're trying to actually centralize at least that high volume recruiting of really starting to take that off of the, the hiring manager's responsibilities. So having a centralized team that's making those hiring decisions, you know, internal within TA to bring that consistency. And I think one of the big benefits from the business is it gives those 8,500 people time back to go take care of our customers take care of our associates and to focus on running the business and, and let us take some of those hiring. So I'm anxious. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to at some point being able to leverage some of the science to focus on, you know, empathy and some of those things. But I think as of today, having a, a good, well-educated, talented recruiter can probably pull that out a little bit safer yeah. and, and better. Yeah. And then you've got to, yeah. I'm always wondering whether the hiring manager would feel, I guess some hiring managers at the store, some location managers would resent um, being told who to hire, of course. And there could be some pushback there, but it's ultimately it's a decision that a company would have to make based on, on output. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. You know, look, some of them are like, heck yeah, take it. You go do it. I'll focus on the other stuff. And then others don't want to give that up, but it's, it all comes down to 
you know, being able to have the right data and then being able to tell the story, right? To be able to say and do it in a way that even though I would like to say at least better than, you know, well into the high 90% that my team can do it better because this is what they're trained to do. You know, there's always going to be some that think they can do it better. And maybe right. And in some cases, yeah, they're probably great at it, but you know, to what level, right? And is their time more valuable spent on doing, you know, other things. And and when you look at a company our size, right, you Mm. just kind of have to go off the economies of scale and say, okay, 95% of the time, this is going to be a better situation. And we'll live with the other 5% based off, you know, what we're doing, what we're getting. Yeah. And the coverage, the rate of coverage of your stores has a, such a big impact on sales, right? It's not a negotiable. It's like, no, yeah, you have the ultimate power to say, we've got to fill this position at all costs or at, at very high cost if necessary. Yeah. I can tell you exactly how much, uh, every time we've got openings, what that costs our store in sales. So, okay. Yeah, that's huge. So one question that I, I love to ask, and we'll make the last one, Robert, is a question around hiring mistakes. And if you could go back in time, travel through your 25 plus <laughs> years of recruitment history and think back about a regretful hire that you made directly for yourself, for your team, or potentially for one of your stakeholders. And what was the mistake there? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, there's two that come to mind. I think one of my first ones, and this was, I would say, probably earlier in my career. And I went through and I wanted to go one direction from a hiring perspective. My boss thought I should go in another. I followed his path instead of trusting my gut. And uh, it turned out poorly. So uh, I bring that one up because that was one of the most painful. So there's a little bit of a lesson of, you know, trusting your gut going in, right? If Especially and if it's something you think you do well. A unanimous decision on recruiting is something that <laughs> I think is generally a good practice. Like if, if there's five people who interviewed somebody and one person doesn't like him, usually him or her, that should be the end of the, d- the debate. But it rarely is. True. Very true. Well, and again, you know, sometimes it's hard to get you know, if we had you and I and three other people trying to figure out where we're going to go grab lunch, it's tough to get consensus on where you're going to where you're going to go eat. So, you know, I think that was one of the learning experiences for me is listen to all the feedback, but still kind of trust my gut. And the other one was just not digging hard enough into, I think, some questions. Right, the person was incredibly engaging. You know, it was a fun conversation. Like this was the type of person, like, I'd love to go, you know, let's go to happy hour sometime or, you know, just a great engaging person. And at that time in my career, just didn't know probably enough experience on my side to be able to really dig into, okay, can this person really do the job that I need them to do? Really likable, but can they actually do the execution piece of of what I need to? And, you know, turns out it didn't. So we definitely can't get them all right. Right, right. And if anybody's listening and wondering, how do I remove the location manager from carrying the load? Of course, these kinds of anecdotes will come back to support the case that everybody can make mistakes. Everybody can hire someone based on it. And it's funny, your two examples is like one is you went with your gut and the other one you, you didn't go with your gut. And your gut was right half the time. That's right. That's right. So yeah, we'll have to figure out maybe we'll we'll do a special show or a conference around the role of the gut. That's right. (laughs) And we'll invite some gut specialists and so on. Well, Robert, it's been uh, great to get to hear your success stories and lows and, you know, in, in a time when a lot of people are still waiting for the lockdowns to be lifted and for retail to come back. 
uh, a wonderful success story for your organization uh, over the last year, which will get people excited for other industries of perhaps what's to come over the rest of the year. Thanks again for, for joining. I appreciate it, Max. Thanks so much. That was Robert Dougherty from Lowe's. He reminds us that store managers, the hiring managers on location, have a lot on their hands and that there's a great opportunity right now to take them to alleviate a little bit their workload by moving a big chunk of the recruitment to a central location and with the help of technology to be able to do things at scale with higher productivity and to help all these location managers do more and benefit from productivity increases in hiring by centralizing some of this decision-making. I hope you enjoyed the, the discussion and that you'll be back for more. Remember to follow us so you can be updated week by week on our new interviews and please share with friends.